listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome back to I Might Be Wrong. You're listening to myself, Rich, and I've got Henry with me. Hello, yes, I'm still here. <laughs> still sat in my front room. We haven't been, haven't been locked down yet. Well, though time has elapsed since uh, we spoke before, and we're now drinking beer rather yes. than cider, so... Um this is it, true. It's a sea change for us. Although more time has elapsed for our listeners and they are probably three weeks into a lockdown, I suspect, based on what we've yeah, heard. Yeah, well, who know, actually, who knows? Who I knows hope, what's happened? I hope you've been taking care of yourself and taking some time for yourself and having a bit of a listen to your favourite album and relaxing and trying to deal with this as best as you can. Because it's shit, but it's shit for everyone and hopefully we're getting through it. Yeah, that's good. We're not just a music podcast. We're, we're here to help you as well. We are all about you having good mental health. Yeah, cheers to that. I'm going to drink to that. Cheers. Um, I, I started thinking I could make a joke out of it, but actually, you know, <laughs> it's, it's actually, it's actually uh, quite an important thing. So, well, yeah. Honestly, to link back into the music, I think music for me is an incredibly important part of trying to keep my mental health in a good state. I think that's true for a lot of people. And it's funny how, it's funny how people react in different ways to different types of music because mm-hmm. I remember at university we would talk about Radiohead a lot and and similar bands and friends who listened to or didn't weren't interested in that would call it slitty wrist music as if it was oh you had to be depressed to listen to that and I don't think you do I tend to match my mood to my music so if I'm in a depressed mood or if I'm angry I can't listen to something happy and upbeat it won't pull me out of that mood which I know a lot of people it will it'll help them change their mood by what they're listening to listen to something positive makes your mood more positive for me I need to wallow to a certain extent and it sounds bad to say wallowing but I need to have that negativity reflected back to a certain extent so I can work through it in my brain and come out the other side of it and then I'll feel more uplifted and happier in in the longer term I get that so Given what you just said, and given that we've got a podcast about an album, which band are you going to talk about, and where do they sit in your kind of in your musical spectrum? That's a bunch of very good questions. So let's start with the band is the War on Drugs, and the album is Lost in the Dream. Which I was thinking we would do something much more up to date and something much more modern, and then I realised that it came out in 2014, so it's, <laughs> it's not that recent at all. But it's probably one of the most recent albums that we've talked on this podcast and actually there is a link to the mental health even though I don't think we planned any of that going into the start of the podcast uh, because the lead singer Adam Granduchel I think is how you say his name I suspect it's I think it's probably Italian uh, but I don't know for that for sure but we're going to go with Granduchel because we have to say things on this podcast and his name's <laughs> going to come up a bunch of times yeah, we're just going to think his surname. You've got to work it out. So he talks about in interviews around this album and the following album about his mental health, about his anxiety. If you read reviews about this album, they talk about the issues that he was clearly having with anxiety and anger and all of those things. So it's a really interesting album to talk about from that perspective because he's not shied away from it. He's not tried to obfuscate that side of things and be a little bit detached from it he's he's very open about this being part of who he is as a person yeah so you've mentioned a bit about um 
the mental side, but in terms of the music, what what's their style like? That's a good question. So they're a bit of an interesting retro throwback. And I know we've talked about people like Michael Kiwanuka, who sounds like he's from the 70s in the past. The War on Drugs sound like an 80s rock band. They sound like Dire Straits. They sound like Springsteen. There's some Tom Petty in there. There's all of that kind of big stadium rock side of things. But there's also there's more than that there's there's this psychedelic aspect to their music as well so hazy guitars and layers of stuff going on and long winding epic tracks that you get in there but there's also another influence so the actual formation of the band in the first place comes from the fact that the two founding members so Adam Granduchil who does all the vocals and the guitar in the band and Kurt Vile who's no longer part of the band but is still friends with the band yeah uh, they met in philadelphia when grand Hugel had just moved out there at a party i think in about 2003 and got chatting about music and particularly about bob dylan and they're both massive massive bob dylan fans and you can actually hear it in the way that grand Hugel sings he has this very kind of oh, oh, thing in his voice that is if you listen to dylan it's the thing that either makes people love him or pisses people off yeah you can definitely hear it and i think anyone who's listened to springsteen and die straights especially you'll on first listen you'll go ah he's, they're just ripping them off there's definitely as much homage as there is inspiration with the people that they've been big fans of uh, but at the same time i think there are like you say on first listen but once you start to listen to it more there's other things in there well this is exactly where I was going to go next because when you said we were going to do the war on drugs I was like okay fair enough I like them but whatever and then you listen to the music and there's something else in there that stands it apart from that there's it's the layering but there's also they'll put something into a song which just elevates it and I can't quite put my finger on it it's a really odd thing particularly about lost in the dream so it's their third album their first album was mostly written by granditrial and vile when they first met they wrote a lot of that music together vile actually left after the first album because he realized that if he stuck with the war on drugs that he would he would be a member of that band and he wanted to do a lot of his solo stuff so he left the band at that point but there was no ill will or ill feeling even though they, it actually is a point of contention for him that the media or like the music media in the u.s has tried to stoke this idea that they fell out and they really right. haven't because granduchel's actually played as part of kurt vile and the violators which is his band when they've toured in the u.s right so it's not there's no falling out there they're still mates they just wanted things different from the way that they were going to do their music it's an easy narrative isn't it oh, oh absolutely but band members go different ways there must be some a problem right and so the the band is now granduchil with vocals and guitar david hartley on bass guitar robbie bennett on keyboards charlie hall on drums john natchez on saxophone and keyboards and anti lamarca on guitar that's a lot of instruments and that is exactly what you get with their music it's huge it's layered there's massive massive sound and there's a lot going on but it's very well thought through it's not overwhelming i Correct. think that's the thing it's not like you've got all of that 
noise coming at you and you can't your brain can't work out what's going on it's just very well put together and and often it's a case of they're trying to layer a lot of these sounds together so you know you might have three different guitar pieces being played on any given track but they all have their own specific purpose to bring something to that music yeah and this is the thing so the the, the first album was Granduchil and Vile the second album was Granduchil writing his own stuff and it's sort of starts to pave the way towards that third album but the third album is really where he hits his stride he knows what he wants from the music it's very much his work I, I think obviously the band are there as part of this but he is seems to be the central figure in everything that they do and so you've had you know there's a lot of turnover uh, after Vile left you then had uh, Charlie Hall and Kyle Lloyd were part of the early group and they left the band as well. And then after Slave Ambient, which is the second album, was released, Zangi, who was the drummer, had come in from Kurt Vile's backing band. Kurt Vile almost seemed a little bit put out that he'd decided to stay with the war on drugs, but he then left the band. And Granduchel again has said he loved his work and he loves him as part of the Violators, but he's not quite right for the war on drugs and what he wants there so i think being able to bring in a drummer that is really part of his vision has helped with this album as well and i love the drumming on this album it's really really good so how did you come across them because they're not mainstream and it's not a classic album even though it's very well received critically it's not one of those albums where everyone's got in their you don't go to a house party and this is played in the background. Right. So this, I'm still not entirely certain whether it was Six Music or Spotify Recommends, but I heard one of the tracks off Lost in the Dream and was just instantly hooked in. I was like, oh my God, these guys are amazing. They sound like Dire Straits. And that was my hook in because obviously we have talked about Dire Straits on this podcast and they're one of my favourite bands. So that was an immediate appeal, but there's other stuff again there's other stuff there's other things that come in to make this a more rounded sound than just them being a dire straits ripoff yeah agree so there's another key person in the war on drugs as well which is their sound engineer so granduchil credits jeff ziegler who's the guy that's worked on their albums and he has said i love jeff he's my closest musical confidant closer than anyone in the band i trust him to make decisions that make the music sound awesome he's the only guy i would ever let have any influence over my vision i hope to work with him for a very long time and i really like to think that he knows that so there's obviously a very close connection to have him crediting a sound engineer in that way you obviously have that for certain bands and certain sound engineers where they feel almost like they're they're that classic fifth member thing that you hear about but to have that, that speaks a lot to how important that is. And I think they're not a bog standard sound. They're not a bog standard rock band. And so you have to have someone that really understands your vision when you're trying to make that really big layered sound. And it either needs to be someone who, within the band themselves or it needs to be your sound engineer. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And the thing that does seem to elevate the album is it's just the way it it sounds so um so well formed yeah i can't describe it in any other way it just it just feels like it's right yeah it's it's incredibly appealing and i like their more recent albums so they released an album called deeper understanding 
two years ago, three years ago. And I like it, but it didn't grab me in the same way as as this album. Yeah. I think there's elements of a lot of things in here. So musically, it's really great, but lyrically talking about mental health and having that emotional response to the lyrics is also kind of key. Like there's an honesty and a rawness there that is is very appealing. Yeah. So what about uh standout tracks? Okay. Are there any or is it an album of <laughs> is it an album of brilliant tracks and not so brilliant tracks or No, it's definitely the former. So one of the things I was listening through it uh when I was doing the research for this podcast and I had to actually be really, really tough on myself as to which tracks I picked out to talk about because I could easily, you know, we've only done a track by track for OK Computer. I'm not going to do that here, but I could probably talk about 90% of these tracks as being brilliant, wonderful tracks. I'm going to start with Under the Pressure because it's incredible. It's nearly nine minutes long. It's the opening track. It starts with this kind of hazy percussion thing, like rattly intro yeah and then you get this kind of classic psychedelic hazy guitars thing that is something that i love in music generally we've discussed this many times yes and then that launches into the kind of the main piano led melody and then you start hearing the dylan influence because you get his vocals being very dylan-esque in the way that he delivers them yeah, I, some diehard Dylan fans would say he's copying Dylan. He's almost that Dylan-esque. It's, it's true in some cases where he sounds almost like he's deliberately trying to be Dylan. Yeah. I don't think it's on every track. I think there are specific yeah. areas and specific tracks where he uses that very, very Dylan yeah. way of <laughs> yeah, delivering yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. a vocal. Yeah. But it's not all the time. But you've also got some not floresque lead guitar and very dire straitsy saxophone on this track as well. Yeah, and to mention the dire straits, I I think... Tread you've carefully. Got, you've, you've hinted at this just already. <laughs> I think if you're a Dire Straits fan and you do not know of the war on drugs, I think they will could potentially blow your minds. If you're a Dire Straits fan and you really wish there was another three or four albums of Dire Straits work, go and listen to the war on drugs. <laughs> Precisely. That, that's, that's where I was going with it because, yeah. So this one I've, I've written in my notes, takes the long and winding road but never gets boring. It's a brilliant start to an album and it's very big, psychedelic, epic track. If you want your music to be punky and snappy in three minutes long you will not like the war on drugs don't yep. bother even listening to them but if you enjoy something a bit more thoughtful and long long-winded in a good way this might be for you yeah and the one problem i'd have with it is that it might not appeal to people straight away and it might mean that they miss out on track two <laughs> which is your favorite <sighs> just this is for, for me this is Ah, so whenever I think of the band and the album, I always think kind of yeah they're okay they're kind of mid mid ranking in my C in my, I keep saying CD collection <laughs> I'm gonna yeah whatever in my music collection the, I keep thinking they're kind of whatever this song just knocks it out of the park it's like a home run it's one of the finest songs it's written. a really great track it's it's comfortably top three for me on this album i know oh. you i know for you it's the, it's your absolute favorite but it's another one that's got their fingerprints of their heroes all over it again it, it does and it, it unashamedly uses them i would uh, put your fingers in your ears if you're a 
Dylan fan or a Dire Straits fan, but I think it betters them. Uh, this one track just shows what you can do with that kind of style. It's fantastic. The the drumming on this is is wonderful, and there's this guitar thing that kind of winds around it and is like it really brings you up. It's so for an album that's got a lot of heavy mental health discussion lyricism, whatever you want to call it, in there. This is a wonderful, uplifting, positive. The big whoops that he has as he hits the end of verses are just fantastic. I, it doesn't sound at the start like an uplifting song, but it just is. And uh, it's got to be in the, if someone says between 2010 and 2020, what are your top 10 songs? You'd have to listen to this and think this has got to be in there in, for, in my book. It's the best Americana rock album in the last decade. I can't think of any others that I would put as a better all-round album than this album. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, listeners. I'm sorry. To, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> is is Rich wrong? I don't know. But anyway, this is a great track. So let's, mo- let's moving on, on from this, because otherwise Henry will spend the rest of his <laughs> podcast talking about it. Uh, An Ocean in Between the Waves is another wonderful drum-led or drum-driven track. Uh, it It really showcases his guitar technique here. The ability to almost sound casual whilst doing unbelievably complex things with the guitar is very Mark Knopfler, and it's something that he does really well as well. Yeah, it's clever. It's using the guitar to almost kind of sing along, create that melody, but they don't turn it up to 11 and make the guitar the focus of the song. Yep, it's just another layer, but it really carries it. Precisely. And then Eyes to the Wind is probably the most dire straitsy track on the album because it has that mix of piano and slide guitar and other guitars in there that is a very hallmark dire straits thing. It's almost too dire straits to me. It's almost a pastiche. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I've said of this one that it feels like a track that would happily sit on any of their albums. It's sort of a bit like On Every Street for me. Yeah. I really love it. I think it's, it's another really wonderful, wonderful track. It's a really good song, and then, but then in my head it's like, oh, well, I just go and listen to Dire Straits and <laughs> whatever. Uh, Lost in the Dream. Great song. Great song, actually. More Dylan-esque than Dire Straits, yeah. from my mind, on this one. It's, it's got that harmonica, it's a slower pace, it's a bit more psychedelic. Uh, it's got the storytelling element that Dylan really made his thing. Yeah, and he even uses Dylan's vocals. Right. And that whole thing of love is key to the things that we seek might sound cheesy somewhere else, but it really doesn't on this track. Yeah. And I think that's a real, that's a real trick for musicians where if you read a lyric in some places, that lyric might sound really cheesy and like, oh, eye rolling. And in other places in the bright sonic setting, it sounds amazing yeah. and it works. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so, yeah, that wraps up what I want to talk about from the album. I think it's worth talking about the way that he has felt from a mental health perspective. Yeah. So there's a couple of great quotes in terms of, you know, the songs from the album encompass depression and fear and anxiety and anger and self-doubt and all those kind of things. But he himself says, it's all about the mood in these songs. That's what I tend to chase. That's not to say that I want to keep them small or lo-fi or anything. I want to capture the feeling that I was in at the moment. And it's those sounds that excite me. Something mysterious and dark and a little bit melancholy, but that can also be crafted into a larger work, which sounds like a full band. 
after the second record, I knew in my heart that I was a musician and how seriously I took the process of creating these songs, but I wanted to take the writing side a bit more seriously. And so he really focused in on that stuff. Um, and there's another quote I read recently that some people think that once artists find their muse, that first thing that forced them to create, whether it's a feeling or an emotion or a relationship, that's what they always go back to. And I'm still going back to that moment when I was in California and feeling directionless about my life. I still feel like I'm trying to capture whatever I was feeling back then. And it has that feeling of someone that doesn't quite know where they want to go or where they can go. And, and I think everyone can relate to that to a certain extent. Yeah, and so I I mentioned this to you earlier. Looking at the reviews of this album, if you look at Consequence of Sound, um, mm. who are a very well-known album review site, there's a great quote from them. It says, the more you spin it, the more you wear out that needle on of your record player. You realise that Grandichel is discovering the problems of his life, not figuring them out or even reflecting on them. And it's exactly what you say. He's just, through the music, he's realizing where the issues lie which is quite cathartic i guess yeah absolutely and and very honest and probably helpful for people that are going through the same stuff which i think is where they weren't just critically acclaimed you know this this album went gold in the uk so it's not like it's a small record that no one's really listened to yeah which is in my head just seems a bit weird because you don't really see references to them on social media in the same way that a lot of other bands um are referred to Oh, I, I always assume that you and I are the only people that know the war on drugs and probably Neil <laughs> out of our circle. No one, no one else that we know will have heard this record, but they have. Some yeah, of them. yeah, true. Well, Neil knows everyone, so <laughs> somehow. Yeah, but it's interesting because the success of this record actually drove more issues for him. So when they were touring before this record came out, they were playing places like Coco in Camden, which is not a small venue, but it's not a big venue. And they played to thousands at festivals, but they weren't the headliners. They weren't the main reason for people to be there. So there's there's less pressure that comes with that. Yeah. After this album came out, they suddenly they find themselves playing places like Brixton Academy, which is thousands and thousands of people. And they're the headliner and they're the main event. And he talks about the fact that when they were at the Academy once it was our show I started having a whole new set of anxieties I was overcome with fear that I was going to say something very fucked up without being able to control myself I never had that happen ever and the first night at Brixton is the first time it started happening halfway through I couldn't get it out of my mind I was in a trance and then it pretty much continued I'd come off stage like that was a crazy ride and the band would say what do you mean I was like you have no idea so it doesn't feel like he's even talking about it to his band members wow yeah but yeah, um, some crazy shit. And this is after the album's come out, so it's not even stuff that he talks about on the album. Yeah, that's difficult. Um, yeah. But they are an incredible band live. So I've seen them a couple of times, and I think the one that I really think back to is when they headlined End of the Road. Yeah. Incredible, incredible set. And one of those moments, you know those moments where you've wanted to see a band for ages and then you finally get to see them, and it's a very Marmite moment of either it's, brilliant and wonderful and you feel all the feelings or it's a bit of a letdown and this was definitely the former oh you, you know what i've just remembered one of those which wasn't this the one of the letdowns right. um i've already mentioned my dylan story so we won't go there because <laughs> dylan was that but the one for me which is a band who we should we will cover mm-hmm. um is the postal service um oh god yeah you guys were really not impressed with that um and what did we we saw him at Brixton Academy, didn't we? Yeah, with, with Sam. With Sam. And hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. And I was so excited because they were going to play the album in full, mm-hmm. and saw it and just 
nosedive. I really enjoyed it, but I don't think I had the level of expectation. I think there was different levels of expectation going in there, and you and Sam were way high on this. And yeah. I was like, yeah, this is going to be fun. And it was for me. Yeah. Okay. So we'll put this into another podcast because um, that album is going in. And yeah. if I mention such great heights, then you'll have to add it to your little Spotify playlist. So yeah, put it on there. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's on my list of albums as well. So we're definitely doing that at some point. Yeah. So from a musical perspective, I mean, we always talk about influences. For me, they're a band who are the end of an influential arc rather than the start of it, if that makes sense. this is So this is the question I was going to ask you, because <laughs> after all that we've said about them, well, uh, a critic would say they're just ripping off other artists. And so they can't really lead you anywhere, given that they sound so, they do sound similar to Dire Straits. So you can't say, oh, they led me into all these new bands when Dire Straits have been doing this for years before. So you said they kind of sit at the end. Is that is that yeah. right? I mean, we talked about this at Dire Straits. I think I mentioned them in that podcast that they were a band that I love because, because of my love of Dire Straits. I suspect they may have led me back a bit to listen to a bit more Springsteen than I had True. previously. But yeah. again... I'd listened to his stuff before. He's not a massive part of my growing up bands that I would listen to, but but certainly is part of this album as as, as an influence on these guys. Yeah, it, they're never going to lead me to something because they're a combination of many, many musical things that I love. But I don't think that means that they can be counted out as an influential band within my musical taste. Not because they've led me on to things, but because... They're very much a band that I will listen to time and time again. I've listened to this album consistently over the last six years since it came out. I go back to it time and time again. I went back to it because we were doing this podcast, but I'd only listened to it like three or four months previously anyway, just randomly because I felt in the mood to listen to it. Yeah, and I haven't. And when you mentioned it, I mean, I said this at the start, I was thinking, okay, yeah, fine. And then you start listening to the album and it, there's so much to it that it's, it's just worth worth re-listening. Yep, it is it's just a really it's a really great album if you enjoy American rock, if you enjoy Dire Straits, if you enjoy the more chilled rocky end of psychedelia, the more quiet introspective side of that, then it's absolutely an album that you should go and listen to. Yeah. And there are there are points all the way through the album where they just you have your expectations of where a song is going and they just and they don't they don't like there's no huge key change and there's no sudden kind of quiet loud thing but they'll do something whether it's a some instrument or a vocal change or or just a, a kind of a strengthening of the sound that just elevates it a little bit there's a moment in red eyes that they drop a piano and guitar combo in and it just pulls the whole thing forward it just accelerates the song in such an amazing way i've already told you it's the best song on the album so <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna heavily disagree with you because it is it's an absolute belter but yeah yeah so not not influential necessarily in terms of opening my eyes to new stuff but certainly influential in terms of being an album that i will continue to listen to i'm sure for decades to come yep and hopefully listeners if you do find this as a, a new band to put in your arsenal, get it in there because it's it really should be part of your 
your musical repertoire. You know what I should mention is it brought me on to Kurt Vile and the Violators, who I've also seen live, saw him at Field Day, and his music's very similar to The War on Drugs because of the same influences, and his stuff's great as well. I might I might throw a track or two of theirs onto onto our playlist. Mentioning Kurt Vile just just for the last kind of last second of the podcast, I I keep seeing his name and for some reason just the name puts me off and I keep listening to songs and they come on on either Spotify or on Six Music and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And it's like, oh, it's Kurt Vile. I don't know why I have this just, it's <laughs> something about the name that just, I my, my brain goes, oh, I can't possibly like his music, but it's brilliant. Yeah. And again, very similar modern Americana with some psychedelic stuff and, and very, very similar to War on Drugs. So we'll throw a couple of tracks in there just to just for people to have a listen to good plan good good cool. well i think it's an excellent choice and i'm very glad you reminded me of them because i hadn't listened to them for a while um, and i think that's an ace album so well done you can have a listen to them on the drive home will do cheers mate cheers thank you for listening to another episode of i might be wrong